Father God, um, what a wonderful reminder is that uh, Jesus is number one. A good and gracious and kind King uh, and Saviour is um, the Great One, um, the Mighty King who rules over all. Uh, Thank you that we can know him through the Gospel. We can know you as our Father. Uh, Thank you for your word that tells us all about uh, Jesus and what you have done for us in him. We pray that you'd soften our hearts now, uh, speak to us deeply um, through your word today and change our lives for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, everyone. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of a man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. A very interesting story. Well, COVID-19 has been an interesting pandemic. It's been a pandemic that has brought fear into the hearts of probably nearly everybody on the face of this earth. How would you respond if an outbreak of COVID-19 was to happen here, that the next news report you read was of COVID getting out of control in Adelaide and surrounding towns. It was a week and a half ago we had a scare with two girls from Melbourne illegally crossing the border and ending up here in Victor Harbour. It could have ended really badly. If it did, how would you be? What would your response be to that storm? We all go through storms in life. Storms are the times in life that are difficult to go through. They're painful, scary. Most of us have faced some pretty big storms. We've seen loved ones die, illness, natural disasters, fatal accidents. We've lost homes, jobs, even money. We've all been sick. We all face getting older. And our bodies don't work like they used to or they shouldn't. We experience loneliness. Times in our life when we have no friends around us. We get bullied. The list could go on. The fact is we live in a world tainted by sin that causes so many storms to make our life uncomfortable. Well, the question is, how do we respond to these storms in life? We're going to go through them. Following Jesus doesn't mean that life is going to be easy, although we don't suffer at all. Because we still live in a world that is cursed by sin, we will still face many storms. 
It is who we believe Jesus Christ really is and where our life focus is that determines how well we cope with the storms. And how we can have peace in the midst of the turmoil in life. Today's passage teaches us that trusting in Jesus' authority over life's storms brings peace. And you'll see in your outline that we have Jesus convinces us that he is God with all authority. And two, storms challenge our faith in his authority. But three, Jesus proves that we can, have, we can trust in his authority. So first one, Jesus convinces us that he is God with all authority. After Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7, teaching what kingdom living looks like, verses 28 and 29 says that the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught with real authority unlike the teachers of the law. Now, only God can speak with this authority. And Jesus was showing that he is God and has authority over how we should live. So far in Matthew chapter 8, we've read, because of his teaching, crowds of people have followed him as he came down the mountain. And now we see... As he travels, Jesus shows his authority over the fallen world. In verses 2 to 4, he heals a man with leprosy. And in 5 to 13, Jesus heals a Roman officer's paralyzed servant. In verses 14 and 15, say that Jesus then heals Peter's mother-in-law from a high fever. And it continues in 16 and 17, Jesus heals more sick people plus demon-possessed people, casting out evil spirits. Jesus is showing his disciples that he also has authority over sickness and evil spirits, both the physical and the spiritual world. He's given us a glimpse of what the kingdom of God is going to be like. No more sickness, no more evil, no more suffering. And then last week, we learned the cost of being a follower of Jesus. Jesus was pretty attractive. All the things that he was doing made people want to follow him. But Jesus says, there's a cost to following me. He has authority over our lives. And so he and his kingdom need to take first place in our life. He needs to be at number one priority list on our life. To be more important and valuable to us than anything else this life has to offer. It reminds me of the song we just sung on the magical couch. Surely by now, Jesus has proved to the disciples that he is God with all authority and he is worth trusting their life with. That they can be confident that Christ has the authority to establish his perfect kingdom and rule to the earth like he said that he would. Now a massive event is about to take place. One that will put the disciples' faith to the test. That is, who they believe Jesus Christ actually is. 
Over and over, Jesus has shown the disciples that he is God with all authority. But it's easy to trust in Jesus when life is going really good. When life is cruisy and good, it's easy. And that's where storms really do challenge our faith in Christ. Authority. So we get to verse 23 to 27. This same story is told in Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8. The disciples are about to go through a terrifying experience. Following Jesus around was often very busy and scary. The disciples must have been just exhausted watching him. Some days so busy that Jesus himself could sleep through the most unpleasant experience. Mark chapter 4 sets the scene for us, for this epic story. It says, Jesus was teaching by the lake shore about the kingdom of God. Hundreds of people soon gathered around him and it got really crowded. So crowded that Jesus and the disciples got into a boat so everyone could see and hear Jesus better. But late in the afternoon, Jesus saw that the crowds were not going away. So he instructed the disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. And this is where we get to our story. Verse 23. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Now on the screen should be a picture of a boat. There we go. Now that's probably similar to the boats he would have used back in the day. It's a pretty big boat. I look at that and go, wow, I'd be pretty safe in that boat, I reckon. It'd be pretty good. Verse 24. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so the waves swept over the boat. We just saw how big that boat was. Now I need to explain the severity of this situation. The Sea of Galilee is notorious for storms to come on the lake in just a few minutes without warning. Though it's only small, it's about 21 kilometres from north to south and about 13 kilometres from east to west. The lake produces some of the worst storms. The lake sits 680 feet, or just over 200 metres, below sea level, so it has a beautiful warm climate, but creates extreme winds. If we can see the map again. There we are. You can see the, uh, the hills to the west. Big, huge, big hills. With valleys and gullies. When a cold wind comes off the sea from the west, these valleys and gullies act like gigantic funnels, compressing the wind in them. The wind rushes down on the lake with extreme force and savage violence, shocking suddenness. One moment it's a beautiful calm, the next it's a raging storm. And because it's down below sea level, it's in like a bowl, when the wind rushes in, it would swirl around and would come from all directions, pushing the waves upright. The waves so high they tower over the boat so you can't see it. The wind's so strong 
you can't stand up. And people sitting on the water's edge, or sorry, up to 200 metres from the water's edge, are blinded by the sea spray. Severe storm. Just imagine a storm like that, and you're in it. Think about how the disciples are thinking right now. Luke said that they were in great danger. But Jesus was sleeping in the boat. You've got a storm like this. The boat's being tossed back and forth. Waves are breaking over the boat. So everyone's getting soaking wet. How could Jesus sleep in that? It's an interesting question, isn't it? I hope it's a question you looked at during the Bible study last week. How the heck can Jesus sleep through that? He must have been pretty tired. Though they were in the biggest storm ever, he was sleeping. But this is an interesting point. Sleep is often used to picture someone at peace. Jesus shows that he is at peace despite the situation going on around him. And the disciples do not recognise this at all. So the disciples, in a panic, wake him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And I love how Mark describes it. He says, they said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? Now, most people would react dramatically when their day suddenly takes a turn for the worst. But looking at the disciples' reaction... They really lacked faith. Think about what they'd just seen Jesus doing up to this point. All of his healing, his teaching, all his other miracles. He had proved to them that he's God and worth following. He has power and authority over everything. He convinced them to put their faith in him and follow him. They're following him for a reason. And this Jesus, who they put their trust in to follow, was with them in the boat. But their faith in him really did take a pounding. Now, we need to not go over this too quickly. The disciples' reaction isn't faithless. They believed that Jesus could help them somehow, which is why they went to him. And I think it was a really good thing that they did wake him up and ask him for help. It is a good thing. And when we're going through trouble, it is a good thing to yell out to Christ for help, for support, for comfort. That is good faith, but they lacked faith in another way. So though the disciples show that they lacked faith, Jesus then proves that they can trust in his authority. He proves that they can trust in his authority. So let's see what happens next. The disciples truly believed that they were facing death. 
So Jesus answers them in verse 26. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? I remember a few years back looking at this story and I would look at what Jesus said and go, what? Why would he say that? Look what's going on around him. Why are you so afraid? Look what's happening. And verse 26 says, Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves. Silence, be still, he says. And it was completely calm. Now this miracle was frightening. Probably just as frightening, if not more frightening, than the storm itself. And when we look at nature and when we see winds slowly calm down, and when a wind stops, it takes a while for the sea to, get to calm down. But in this instance, as soon as the wind and the waves heard Jesus' voice, it was completely calm, straight away. You see, they recognised the voice that brought them into being, the voice that created them. They knew who he was, and they obeyed him. It's also important to notice that Jesus rebukes their lack of faith before he rebukes the storm. This adds so much more weight to the miracle. He says, what, you still don't trust me? Why not? Watch this. this is the disciples' reaction in verse 27 shows that they haven't yet grasped who Jesus really is. They were amazed. Who is this man, they said. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Until now, this is the biggest of all Jesus' miracles. He's controlled small individual situations, but now he controls a large area, the weather. You see, this would not just have affected the disciples, but there were other people on the lake, there were people around the lake that would have seen this happen. It's important to note that most that Jesus' miracles point back to Old Testament scripture. And I would like to go back to Psalms now, to Psalm 107. This miracle was, was, was happened before. Psalm 107, verse 24 to 30. It says, Some went out on the sea in ships, and there were merchants on the mighty waters, they saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted the high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed and they were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. 
The, the disciples would have known about this story. And yet they didn't see it. They still didn't see that Jesus Christ is this very God, talked about in the Psalms. Jesus is God. He has authority over everything. The point of this miracle stresses that the disciples can trust in Jesus' care because of who he is. He is God himself, the promised Messiah, with them. Their faith was also lacking in in the, in the area of their hope of salvation, of God setting up his kingdom and his rule. They, they included Jesus when they cried out, we're perishing, we're going to drown. This was absolutely terrifying to them because they were expecting him to save his people in their lifetime. They believed that if Jesus died, there was no hope of salvation anymore. Jesus didn't rebuke the disciples' lack of faith that he couldn't save them from their physical danger. He, was, he wasn't meaning that they wouldn't have perished in the storm because he was there. Jesus being human was just as mortal as the disciples. He could have died. They lacked faith that God would re-establish his governance on the earth. They needed to trust that even if they saw Jesus perish, that God would still re-establish his reign over his out-of-control earth, bringing it back under his governance. They needed to trust that what Jesus has promised about the kingdom is going to happen no matter what. Jesus proves he's worth trusting, that he has authority over the fallen creation. There is nothing in this world that he does not have control over. And I believe that if it was not for his grace, that we actually would probably face bigger storms than we do. So who do we believe Jesus really is? Do we really trust in his authority? Storms in life are a sign that there is so much wrong with this world that we live in and that we need Jesus Christ to restore it. They remind us that this world is not a home, but God's eternal kingdom is. Jesus calming the storm for the disciples doesn't mean he's always going to calm the storm in our life now, though sometimes he does. This was a specific test for the disciples. Storms challenge our faith, how we view Christ. Faith, faith is the practical reliance on Jesus' power. It is to rest assured that no matter what happens, he is going to free us from all pain and bring us into eternal life with him in his perfect kingdom when it is complete. Matthew 6.25, Jesus teaches us not to be over-concerned with our material life. This mental state arises conflict with our faith. Yes, it is good to care about our physical needs, but they shouldn't take priority over Christ. Christ should take priority over them. His kingdom should come first. We need to build our life on Christ, our rock, 
so that when the storms come, we still stand. If Christ is number one and everything else underneath, even if we lose everything that's underneath, we still have Christ. We still have the hope of our restoration. Our assurance of his salvation should override our physical concerns. We need to live every moment of our lives with our focus on Christ and his kingdom, wanting to be with him more than anything else this world has to offer. Always remember of what Jesus did for us. He went through the ultimate storm for you and me. Even though he was absolutely terrified of what he was about to go through, he put God in his kingdom first and he went to the cross on our behalf. Seeing that we were hopeless in our sin, separated from God for all eternity, he, out of his deep love for us, went to the cross to take the punishment for our sin that we deserved so that we could be brought back into peace with God. So no matter what happens in our life physically now, we are at peace with God. And let's rest in that. Let us us truly believe that and to rely on that sure hope of our salvation. I heard a song, I can't remember who sang it, but in this song, there were the lyrics, I asked God to fix the problem of pain in this world. His answer was, I have. I have in Jesus Christ. You see, his timing might not be our timing, just like the disciples, but we need to trust that he has and that he will Restore us. Though storms challenge our faith, Jesus proves that he is trustworthy. He proves that we can trust in his authority. Having faith in Jesus doesn't mean that all our problems will magically disappear and that everything is made right again. Rather, it means that though the storms are very real and painful, we can find peace in the security of knowing Jesus and his gospel and rest in the assurance of our salvation. Assurance of our salvation. That he will eventually bring an end to all the hardships in life that we've, and we will finally go to live with him forever. While we wait for our restoration, though, part of learning to live in trust is to focus less on our individual lives and more on what we can do for God and those around us. Whatever our life looks like, Jesus says to love God and love our neighbour. So we should not cease to live a life of gratitude to God and continue to invest in our relationships with him and others. Continue to spend time with God in prayer. Be immersed in his word. The Bible is full of encouraging verses about getting us through the troubles in life now and being focused 
on the future that we have with him. A couple of these verses I'd love to read out. They're so encouraging. When we're going through the storms, remember that even though, this is from Psalm 23, verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And Romans 8, from 35. Can anything ever separate us from the Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In the midst of the storm, it can be really hard, but focusing on the hope we have in Christ can really help. But also, when we're in the storm, to... It can be hard to think of others. And so it encourages us to continue to think, uh, to have fellowship with each other. We're a part of a church. And the church should be a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Where we can find encouragement, love and peace. And be strengthened in our faith and hope. Peace can come from those around us who are living for the kingdom too. We can pray together, read together serve each other, provide for each other, carry each other's burdens. We're not alone, for Christ has placed, Christ has placed us in this church for this fellowship. Let us continue to look outwards in what we can do for other people in the best of our ability. I want to share with you a story from when I was at college. I took three years off to go to Bible college and I thought it was going to be the best, it was the best time, but in a different way, I thought it was going to be all cruising. Nothing could go wrong because I'm living my whole life 100% for him and reading his word. But it was, far, it was far from that. In my first year at college, I was involved in a fatal car accident where I was found at fault. And for the next bit over two years, I was going to court for that. And in my last semester at college, trying to finish all the requirements for my degree, where my, uh, the, my trial was coming to an end. So my future was about to be determined and I was facing, at worst, a jail term. As long with this, at college, we didn't have help from HEX, so I was paying as I went, costing thousands. And so I didn't have the money, I didn't have enough money to go through court, and yet I had to. So we were struggling financially, didn't know where the next dollar would come tomorrow, was struggling about my near future, about what was going to happen over at the end of court, 
I was struggling with the fear of not finishing my degree. And then one morning, to top it off, I got a phone call from the La McEwen Hospital saying my mum was dying and I needed to go and say goodbye. This time, you know, there's so much in life that can just bring us to our knees that is just overwhelming. And I really struggled. There were times that I struggled and I did, I did lack faith. But my, having a church to support me and around me encouraged me to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and his authority. To trust him, even if the worst was to happen. And some of the most faithful Christians that helped me were going through storms themselves, with illness, loss of loved ones, and the list goes on. You see, they would give me a phone call, come to court with me, read with me, give me the handshake I need to get through the next week supported financially. And that's how I could get peace in the midst of these storms. And God provided peace to my heart in using his people to help me. Not only would they encourage me to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. We go through storms because life in this world is broken. It is cursed by sin. We're living with a kingdom perspective, being focused on our eternal hope, trusting that Jesus, our God, is in complete control. We can have peace in the stresses of life. When we love Jesus as our God and make him the number one, the most important and valuable person in our life, though other things are important, they are not as important as him. Knowing that he, the most important person in our lives, will never leave us nor forsake us. Gives us a peace in our hearts that no one else can. So when life is hard, even if COVID was to get out of control, remember that Jesus has convinced us to follow him. He's convinced us that he is God with all authority. Storms challenge our faith in his authority. But Jesus proves that we can trust in his authority. He calmed the storm. And even more, he went to the cross and defeated death. He proved that what he says he will do, he will most definitely do. And we have an awesome future hope to look forward to. For us who trust him, Jesus has already saved our souls and given us peace with God. And someday he will save us physically. And for you who do not, do not yet trust him, please, today, today is the day to trust Jesus as your saviour and bring you peace with God. Friends, let us trust him. May we trust him. Trusting in Jesus' authority over life's storms brings peace. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we know you have all authority. 
Lord, we go through so much hardship in this life now. Help us to remember and trust in your authority. Help us keep our eyes fixed on you so that no matter what happens, we can rest in the assurance of knowing you and your salvation. You went through the ultimate storm for us. You paid the price for us, for our sin, to bring us to be with you forever and help us to look forward to that hope we have always. You're a good God, and we thank you so much. Amen.